العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد شهر رمضان الذي أنزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان وقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من Sadaqallahu al-Azim. Dear brothers and sisters, uh, dear friends. So dear brothers and sisters, uh, dear friends, uh, today our discussion is about Ramadan since we've entered into the month of Ramadan for everybody pretty much. And uh, today this program was actually supposed to be from Sweden, uh, from Gothenburg in Sweden. So this is specially dedicated to our brothers uh, in, uh, in Sweden. Uh, Gothenburg and, and around, mashallah, I can see a few of the, few of them on the screen. Um, we're just simultaneously broadcasting it on the Zamzam Academy link as well. So what we'll do is, inshallah, we'll speak uh, for some time regarding Ramadan since we've entered into it. I want to speak about how to get a productive Ramadan and how to make the most of Ramadan because I think that's very, very important uh, for us uh, for us to get the most out of this month. And then after that, if uh, we've got some time, you know, we'll allow some question and answers related to Ramadan, if anybody has any issues about Ramadan. So, mashallah, uh, having said that, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq and we begin. See, um, alhamdulillah, many of us here have spent many, many Ramadans before. So it's not the first Ramadan that I'm assuming that uh, many of us are, are spending uh, this is not our first Ramadan. We've spent many, many Ramadans before. So what am I going to say to us that's going to be any different or that's going to be anything new? Because, you know, we all know about Ramadan. MashaAllah, Muslims fast. And I mean, unless you're a convert who just recently converted or somebody who's just recently started observing Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, we've done many Ramadans before. So I think the focus of Ramadan is that, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that, O oh, people who believe, uh, fasting has been prescribed upon you just as it was uh, prescribed upon the people before you so that you can get taqwa, you can attain taqwa. Now, the, the, way, uh, the way this is to be understood is that it's not just for the month of Ramadan that we change our schedule. Uh, I mean, there are certain things that we will have to just for Ramadan change our schedules for because, you know, you don't get taraweeh outside the month of Ramadan and you don't necessarily have to do suhoor every day you know, outside the month of Ramadan. So there will be some things which we're going to do specially for Ramadan, no doubt. But in terms of what we're trying to achieve from this, the major objective of Ramadan, which is لَعَلَّكُمْ So that you can gain God consciousness. That's a state that we're trying to gain. That's not something that you just do that, okay, you know, you're going to fast. Now, fasting is a, a cause for something. Fasting at the end of the day is a reason for something. It, there's an objective behind fasting, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned, just one of them, which is uh, so that you can gain taqwa, so that you can gain God-fearingness, God-consciousness. So that's the objective is God-consciousness. So if we're going to observe Ramadan as some kind of ritual where we change our, our schedule in, the time, in terms of when we wake up, when we eat, and, and, and so on, and then we don't gain the taqwa, then the objective isn't being realized. So how do we attain this objective? It's like when you've got a child and you tell, you know, we're trying to tell the children when they're young that you need to, for example, respect your elders. 
Now, the, obviously the point is you just don't do that when you are young. But the whole point of that training in the beginning when you keep telling them that and you kind of uh, inform them of that, advise them about that, is so that it becomes a state in them. So that if my parents told me that I must respect my elders from a young age, that should still be with me because that should be, become my state as such. That should be who I am now. So likewise with the fasting, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, Ramadan, it's the same kind of thing. Allah makes these massive changes, not just for the one month. It's not that you're just on a holiday and you're going to really enjoy it for this month and we're going to give you all of this extra for this month. No, it's actually supposed to be something that develops us. And we get this development, this retreat. We're getting this retreat and this development every year so that we can keep pushing ourselves up. I think probably the most important, uh, most, uh, uh, the easiest way to probably figure this out is the following. If we can look at ourselves and decide before Ramadan or going into Ramadan that what uh, was the, the level of my Iman? What was the level of my Iman in the sense that if I am to score my Iman from 1 to 10, right? You know, my, my faith level, if I'm to score it from 1 to 10, faith level means, you know, how regular I've been on my worships and devotion and thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remembering Him and, you know, in reading my adhkar and my litanies and observing my prayers and observing my behavior and avoiding sins and so on and so forth. Let's just say that somebody starts off at 5 out of 10. And that's how they go into Ramadan from. Nearly all the time for pretty much the majority of people, they will increase in Ramadan from five. They'll go up to a six, a seven, eight. You know, if they're really lucky, they'll get to a nine or they'll, they'll, they might even hit ten. If they really get into it, they do itikaf and everything, they will get, you know, they will hit a higher number. Now, again, this is not just for 30 days that we do this for 30 days. And then after that, as soon as we come out of Ramadan, as soon as we come out of Ramadan, everything turns back to normal as we were before, including the sins and everything else. Shaitan, is ex Shaitan will actually want that. And it's been the experience of many, many, many people that once they finish Ramadan, they've been very observant during the month of Ramadan, abstinent, in fact, of many things they've abandoned, many things, and it's going wonderful. It's probably one of the best times of their life. And then suddenly... Uh, shaitan comes out on the day of Eid and then they finish their prayer, they finish, they go from Eid prayer, they go home and in the evening sometime, in the afternoon sometime, they end up committing a major sin, right? That, subhanallah, you know, that they'd been avoiding all of this time and they feel wrecked, they feel really messed up and despondent. And that's the thing that shaitan tries to make us despondent by playing with us in this way. That's why we need to be very, very careful. So the whole point of Ramadan is to actually gain a consciousness, Right, is to gain a consciousness. And what is, exactly does taqwa mean? Taqwa essentially means that we're constantly conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as possible. How much should we con be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Literally as much as possible. If somebody can be conscious of Allah in every waking moment of their day, that when they're doing something, they're thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that what would he like me to do in this case? Right? Or, or I should just remember Allah, or I should just thank Allah. There's many ways to be God conscious and to remember Allah. So, for example, if you're doing something and you attained a success in something, you say, Alhamdulillah. Right? And if you saw something that is astonishing, say, Subhanallah. Every time you do something, you make a dua, for example, or that you remember Allah in some way or the other. That's God consciousness. 
So that would obviously keep us away from sins as well. That would keep us away from wrongdoings as well. So for example, let's just say that uh, you go outside and you, it starts raining. Okay, it starts raining and or it starts to slightly drizzle. So you immediately you make a dua. Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. Oh Allah, the rain should be around us and not upon us. This was one of the duas that the Prophet ﷺ made once on the mimbar when it started raining a lot. Right? And inshallah that dua would be accepted. At least you've conversed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I've seen that alhamdulillah it's actually worked many times where the rain will actually stop or the rain will not continue and it won't be a downpour. If I'm biking from one place to the next, I need to get home, I need to get to teaching or something like that. You know, you don't want to be biking in the rain. I mean, that's really, really a miserable thing to do, right? Another one is, uh, for example, I mean, it just happened yesterday. I felt a bit of a allergy coming on. And I've, this has happened so many times, subhanAllah. I felt a bit of an allergy coming on while I'm fasting in the morning. Now, what happens is that uh, for those with allergies should know that when you, uh, uh, if you start getting an allergy, you're supposed to take an antihistamine as soon as, you know, you feel the irritation in your nose. Otherwise, once the allergies kick in, then it takes two, three days uh, and some heavy medicines to try to get rid of it. So when you're fasting, you can't take the medicine. So, I mean, whether you're fasting or not, to be honest, you read the dua. You, I, I just held my nose and read the dua. Allahumma rabban nas adhibil ba's. Basically calling out to Allah to say that you're the curer, you're the one who gives therapy, you're the one who gives the cure, there's no cure except your cure, so cure us. And Alhamdulillah, I felt much, much better afterwards. Sometimes, you know, these are small, small issues that you can think about. You've had a little issue with somebody. You've uh, had a little tiff with somebody, a little misunderstanding or whatever it is, or you feel that somebody might have taken something wrong or you've taken something wrong from someone. Immediately you make a dua, Allahumma alif bayna qulubina. Allahumma aslih dhata baynina. Oh Allah, reconcile between our hearts. Oh Allah, reform the affairs between us. And subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, I've seen that it benefits. It benefits. You can do this with your children. You can do this with your spouse. You know, when, when you may have a little issue with your wife, with your, with your, with your spouse, with your children, with your colleagues, uh, with your friends. Subhanallah, you know, Allahumma alif bayna qulubina, reconcile our hearts. These du'as are there for us to call unto Allah and Allah ujibu da'wat al-da'i idha da'an. Allah says that, tell him, fa'inni qareeb. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِي إِذَا دَعَانَ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ Likewise, if uh, you're getting sick or something like that, then again, the same thing, you know, you call out, يَا شَافِي إِشْفِنِي in, in, uh, that, That's another dua that you can add. Likewise, if you have to make a quick, quick, uh, uh, a quick uh, decision about something and you're unsure what to do in a particular predicament or a situation, you read the dua of istikhara, the short one, Allahumma khirli wa khtarli. I mean, you don't even have to read these same words. You can just call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that oh Allah do this because that's what you mean, consciousness of Allah. For example, let's just say another thing, um, uh, another thing is that let's just say that you have, uh, mashallah, got a new car or you've got a new property or you've got a new jacket or you have, uh, you know, a new job or whatever. And every time, you know, it comes into your mind that, oh, I'm, I'm in my new job right now. Right, Alhamdulillah, I'm in my new job. Or uh, this job is bringing me much more money or it's more comfortable. They're much more friendlier people. Or I've got my new phone. Oh, it, it's just so much better than my old one that used to have a cracked screen, for example. 
or uh, my, my jacket, look, it makes me look really nice. Uh, somebody has just uh, maybe praised you for, for your jacket or something like that. Now, mashallah, you've got that really nice, you know, multicolored green, uh, g- g- you know, green uh, top on or what, whatever it is that you're, you're wearing. So what are you supposed to do then? Like, you're supposed to return it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what God conscious is. That at that moment, we remember to say, yes, alhamdulillah, Allah gave it to me. Like, that's what you think in your heart. Allah loves that when people remember him. There, there's, a, there's a hadith about somebody in hellfire, right? So he's in hellfire, he's being punished and everything, as many, many people are being punished in the hellfire. And suddenly he says uh, to the guards there, he says that, didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, didn't Allah promise that, you know, he would take me out after this or that this is the only punishment or something like that? So subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears that. And he says, okay, free him, get him out of there because he knows me. So anybody that recognizes Allah knows Allah and shows that they know Allah by recognizing him and by being conscious of him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to give them because that's why he created us. Allah created us so that we can know him. But if we live our whole lives without that consciousness, where we're literally just disengaged, distracted, and totally heedless, and we don't think about Allah and what we do, then we don't get anything out. Then we're not fulfilling the reason of why we're here. So I wanted to just clarify what taqwa means. Taqwa is a very deep idea. It's just connection to Allah all the time, you know, as much as possible, whenever we need Him, and we need Him at all times. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. I would say that even on the simplest things to return them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that regard, that is what you call taqwa. I think that's very important to understand. Now that's one side of it is the consciousness aspect of it. Another side of it is that obviously when you have God consciousness, then it means that we need to avoid sin. We need to avoid wrongdoings. And that, that is what Ramadan is trying to teach us. That part is very, very important right? as well. So I think it was uh, one of the Sahaba, Abu, either Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, I think he was asked by Umar radiallahu anhu that to define taqwa. Because Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu was a mufassir of the Qur'an. Like he was known to be an alim and a special scholar of the Qur'an. So he was asked to define taqwa and he said, to Umar radiallahu and he said that, have you ever gone through a field or something, uh, a garden, an orchard, a field or something where there's a lot of thorny bushes? Have you ever made your way through one of those? And Umar radiallahu said, yes. So he says that when you went there and when you did that, what exactly did you do? How did you avoid the thorns? He said, well, I had to be very careful because I had to you know, make sure that my garments are all close together, that there's nothing that's going to get caught in a thorn. And if there is, then I have to extricate it. I have to take it out. I have to extract it and carry on and make myself uh, get through that unscathed, you know, without too, many, um, without too many thorn pricks or without any wounds at all. So he said, this is exactly how taqwa is. Taqwa means the same thing, that if you do that, then in your life, the various things that are beckoning you, that are inviting you, that are calling you, that are obsessing you, that are attracting you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the form of distractions, in the form of sins, 
in the form of major, major, you know, major uh, wrongdoings, you're supposed to avoid that. And it's going to be difficult. It was a perfect example, actually, because they're like thorns. They come in our path to take us away. Right. Although in the case of a thorn, we don't like them. It's not enjoyable, you know, for us to have thorns. It's not enjoyable. But sins are enjoyable, you know, unless it's like, you know, there's roses with them as well. So you're enjoying the roses, but then there's thorns that come with it. I think that's probably the point that he was trying to make. So that's the concept of taqwa, to avoid what's wrong and to try to remember Allah as much as possible, to do as much as that pleases him and to be in constant contact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how does Ramadan teach us that? Ramadan teaches us that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated for us in the month of Ramadan one of the oldest and most effective forms of devotion and worship, right? which is fasting. And fasting is an abstinence. It's an inactivity when you actually don't do something. You said you're told not to eat or drink or you know, engage in uh, lawful sexual intercourse. That's what's told uh, to us that that's what you don't do. Whereas everything else, you commission something, you enact something, you perform something. In fasting, you avoid something, but it's difficult. You know, it's difficult because we're so used to eating. And the reason we're so used to eating is because Allah has kept there being pleasure. They're kept pleasure in the food that we eat. There's a certain pleasure in the different foods that we eat, right? And generally we eat what? Especially if you're a person of substance, you actually eat what you enjoy. All right? You just look at dates. You know, you're going to have a choice of what dates you like. Okay, so what, we, uh, what we're trying to do then is in Ramadan, what happens is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us not to do those things. We enjoy doing those things. In fact, it's a need of our life that we have to eat and drink. It's, it's essential part of life. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't eat between this time and that time, you know, from, day, uh, from um, Fajr time until, sunra- until sunset. Don't eat during these times. So what happens is that I'm going to feel like eating. Like today, I, my mouth was extremely dry, right? And I think I'd, I'd, uh, it was extremely dry and I felt like if I could have taken some water, that would make me feel really good. Right? And I thought, okay, I hope this doesn't last the whole day. But I've actually noticed that after suhoor, within an hour, you actually feel thirsty. And then after, alhamdulillah, it goes away. Right? But you should have a lot of water during the night anyway. Right? You should have a lot of water during the night because that just keeps you hydrated. And psychologically, it benefits you to know that actually I've had you know, this many liters of water uh, during the evening uh, after iftar. So that even when you do feel a bit thirsty during the day, you, you feel like, no, I should have enough water in me so I'm not harming myself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can never obligate us to do something that harms ourselves. Because the worship, and Allah says it very clearly in the Quran, in those same verses about fasting, Surah Al-Baqarah, يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends ease with you, not difficulty. This is good for you. It seems like a bit of a difficulty and trouble, but it's actually good for you. When people work out, it's good for them, right? Though it's hard to do that. And that's the point of Ramadan. It allows ourselves to really, really focus. So what happens is that when I want to eat, when I feel like eating or drinking, I say, you can't do it. So now then eventually my nafs will say, no, you know, okay, fine. You know, eventually nafs will succumb and I won't feel like eating again. Right? I won't feel like eating again. 
So just like we're training ourselves to stop eating something which is essential and something which is enjoyable, likewise then after the month of Ramadan, the whole training here, like the child is trained to respect their elders, for example, the whole training here is so that after you finish Ramadan, you continue with that. We've learned to overcome our nafs, right, from permissible things. So now it should be even more incentive. There should be more incentive to abstain from the harams because they're haram to even start with. And we trained ourselves to abstain even from lawful things in Ramadan. So now uh, it should be much easier to abstain from haram things, even more so, more reason to do that. But the problem is after Ramadan, shaitan comes back out. So it does get more complicated. In Ramadan, things are easier. Right. So having said all of this now, the way to improve our Ramadan is that we should have this in our mind. And this is what helps me is that this Ramadan must become better than any Ramadan before it. That's my goal. This Ramadan must be better than any Ramadan before it. As I said to you earlier, many of us have done many Ramadans. So what more can I tell you? Well, what we can do, subhanAllah, is that we can try to make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. And how do you do that? Well, uh, all of the objectives that I mentioned about Ramadan earlier, the, the various worships that people do in Ramadan, that are encouraged in Ramadan, like reading the, uh, reading the Qur'an, uh, more than last year, giving more sadaqah than last year, uh, giving our zakat in a more timely fashion than last year, doing more good deeds for others and for ourselves and accumulating more dhikr, more Quran reading, more Quran comprehension, more tahajjud prayer, more memorization of the Quran so that we can actually then use that. I mean, what a beautiful thing it is and what an amazing thing it is and how wonderful it is and excellent that you can learn more Quran and then you can do that in your tahajjud and in your other other prayers so let me just uh, mention one thing I mean some of the huffaz of the Quran if you're hafiz of the Quran and you've got Ramadan off you know many huffaz mashallah they do between 12 to 15 juz in no time right and the way they do this subhanallah is for example uh, after after Taraweeh finishes, before they go to sleep, they read two Jews. And if you're a Hafiz of the Quran, it doesn't take too long to do that. Maybe it'll take 40 minutes to an hour, right? So they read two Jews of the Quran. Then they wake up for Suhoor. And in Suhoor, they do another two Jews uh, uh, from Suhoor time to after Fajr. And that could be they could do one Jews in Tahajjud or maybe one and a half Jews or half a Jews or however much. And then they make sure that they finish off the other two Jews altogether, the entire two Jews. So that means you can count with me, that's four Jews. Thereafter that they wake up in the morning at whatever time and they read again two Jews. Right? So that gives them six Jews. Thereafter that, before Dhuhr, until after Dhuhr, within that period, they go to the masjid. Right? Whether that was for Fajr and for Dhuhr. They go to the masjid, you take a nice, you know, luxury walk. Uh, relax, walk to the masjid, and in that you're reading Quran. Like while you're going, you know, on, on the road, preferably a really nice, you know, if you have a nice walk, it, it'd, be, it'd be wonderful. Then what they do is they read some of that. So you don't have to sit down, read it. They read it while they're walking. Uh, they read it in their salat, especially in their sunnah prayers. It's so easy to read a half a juz easily in four akats of prayer. It's so easy. You can easily do quarter juz in two rakats. Right, for especially for the Hafiz, 
right? The people who've memorized something. So they finish another two juz. That's eight juz already, right? That's eight juz, and it's not difficult for Hafiz to do that. Thereafter that, uh, Asr time, same thing. I mean, they, they, might, they could read more, but they've got other things maybe to do. So Asr time, going and coming back for Asr, they read another two juz in the same kind of way. They've done ten juz. Now, if they want, they can add some more on, or in Tarawih, they're doing uh, another juz in there. So that's 10, 11. They can add a lot more. And now, if you're not a Hafiz of the Quran, then obviously you can't do as much. That's going to be much more difficult. And I mean, to be honest, I know people who are not Hafiz of the Quran who can read 15 juz, but they're pretty much at it all day. All right. It is a possibility. We know of people who've actually finished a whole Quran, you know, in uh, a whole Quran, right, in, in one day as well. But okay, we don't have to go to that. If you're not a Hafiz of the Quran, fix for yourself. You see what drives these Hufad. These people who've memorized the Quran is that I must do this much a day. And if they can't, if they, if they were, got busy one day with something distracted, then they just remember that and they try to push that in some other day and, and, and finish it off. Right? So that's what I'm telling you. Try to decide for yourself. This is how many nafal, how much tahajjud I want to do or, or for this amount of time. Or uh, this is how much Quran I want to read. This is how much sadaqah. And then aim towards that. Write these things down if you can. And that's how you get the best out of the month of Ramadan. It's just that we want to develop an amazing immunity during the month of Ramadan that helps us for afterwards. It's like where we save up, store up, we get our supplies in the month of Ramadan and they last for a long time afterwards. And many people who've mentioned that as well, that that's what's happened to them, that they, when they made a big effort in the month of Ramadan, it helped them for several months afterwards. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this month of Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all uh, with more than we've ever done before. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. And uh, yes, if you have any questions now, inshallah, we can, we can take them. The, okay, alhamdulillah. Can you divide that reading into two of a day? You can do it as you wish, to be honest. You know, you can do the reading as you wish. Just... Try to do more than last year, all right? And uh, j just see what your potential is and what your ability is, and you just do that. Because, you know, one of the things in Ramadan is that because we're so used to, because we're so used to wasting time, right? And there's so many distractions in our life. If we have a purpose and a goal of this is how much I want to do, the benefit is that you will probably end up doing that much and wasting less time because you'll have this in your mind that I need to do this much. So that's really what you can do. What I mentioned was just an example. And you don't have to do that. You can do whatever is easy for you. And of course, if you want to consult about you know, what, you, uh, you know, what you personally could do, then of course you could do that as well. How can you divide Hizbul A'zam with Dalailul Khayrat? Again, you see at the end of the day, while it's best to read it, uh, both of those books in one, uh, in one week at least, um, you don't have to do that. Especially in Ramadan, what you can do is... Uh, you can have certain times when you do your Hizbul A'zam. I think the two really good times for doing Al-Hizbul A'zam and Dalai Khayrat, right? A portion of each is before Iftar. Because that's a time for Dua's acceptance. Literally the end of the day before you break your fast. And number two is at Suhoor time after Tahajjud. So you do your personal Dua and then after that until the, until the Suhoor time ends, you do your Hizbul A'zam or Dalai Khayrat. And again, whatever works for you, there's no fixed amount known from the Prophet ﷺ that you must do this much or that much. 
just do as much as you can whether that's two pages or three pages each how do you balance your time between reading the Quran and reading the meaning you just give yourself enough time for both right so for example I think a good uh, a good compromise is 50% for reading 25% for reflecting and 25% for memorizing and then you can adjust it otherwise um, what I would say is that you definitely do read some and you definitely do also, uh, what do you call it, reflect over some, right? Because otherwise, if one is easier for you than the other, then you're doing one just because it's easy, right? That's not, that, that's not good because then you're losing out on the other one. So try to do a bit of both. Is it advisable to read tafsir? Absolutely. You know, there should be a portion that you can uh, try to read of the Quran. Try to make your Quran. That's why most of our le lectures are based on the Quran in the month of Ramadan now. Because we want to try to make it the month of the Quran as much as possible. So yes, you can read. But again, it's much easier for some people to just read general books on Islam, right? About uh, or whatever it is, uh, as compared to, you know, reading the Quran or reflecting over the Quran itself. That's why, uh, for example, I would stop reading any book of fiqh. I don't try, I try not to do any work on jurisprudence or... Um, uh, or even hadith for that matter because I want to focus on the Quran during this time right because the month is for the Quran and we want to try to get as much from the Quran as possible okay assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement persuasion the next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.